0: A new Gallup poll, single-handedly, ends the pandemic overnight. A Boston hospital tries to abort one of its patients. And Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, displays what a sad, sorry state America's allies and the Western culture in general is looking like right now. Hello, this is the least woke man in America. Welcome to our podcast. Normally, I carry that I go through the stories in the same sequential order that I use in the intro. I'm going to do something different today just because I think the first two stories, the, the, the lesser stories help explain what the third story and I, you'll when I get to it you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. But I want to start with the situation. In Boston, at the Brigham and Women's Hospital, this is a this story is all over the news. But the particular article, which will be listed on the big feed that I have here, is from NBC News from January 26th. Um, a gentleman, DJ Ferguson, he's a 31-year-old father of two, again in Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Um, he has been denied. A heart transplant because he will not get the COVID vaccine. I'm not kidding you. Because they say that his refusal to get the vaccine uh, decreases his success rate, her survivability of the heart transplant. There's lots of other people waiting for transplants. So I guess the people who get vaccines are at lower risk of dying. So they should get the transplants. That's what central planning has decided here. So They um, have gone about deciding on this, and there's so many interesting parts of the story. But the first thing that like a lot of you came to my mind, remember the death panels? Remember when Obama became president, the signature issue was Obamacare and the housing crisis? With Obamacare, um, one thing conservatives stumbled upon, and particularly Sarah Palin, who I know is not perfect, but she... Does make some good points sometimes. Um, found that within Obamacare, they proposed having panels that would decide on whether or not people serve uh, <laughs> people um, get certain treatments. Remember Ezekiel Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel, Obama's chief of staff, his brother Ezekiel, a brother, his brother who's a doctor. Um, I think he he's the one who said that really, you know, no one should live longer than 75 years old. You can't make this stuff up. It's so ghoulish. What a ghoulish group of human beings. So um, uh, Sarah Palin, you know, talked about the death panels, how the government was going to decide who lived and who died, which to pro-choice people is absolutely of no concern whatsoever. Um, But to the rest of us is rather frightening. Actually, you know, actually I take that back. To pro-choice people, that could lead to an awakening. I mean, can you imagine if Jane Fonda or Gloria Steinem were laying there and someone was going to decide whether or not they lived or died? My God, what a jaw-dropping, seismic change in thinking that might take place in that situation. Maybe. Maybe. You never know with that group. A lot of them suffer from what I call the membrane. There's the membrane against far left people. This thick membrane of just arrogance that is just so um, alarming to some of us that I, I don't know if you can get through that or not, even in a life or death situation uh, like that. So back to D.J. Ferguson, 31 year old father of two. He's in Boston Hospital. He needs a heart transplant and. The other part of the story is uh, this guy, you need to know, uh, you know, because you, you might hear people talking about this. I, I don't know if anybody even talks about news anymore. Everybody's so caught up in, you know, intelligent stuff as far as, uh, you know, uh, gambling and drugs and sports. and not, I'm trying to be so cynical, but does anyone even care? That That's the point. Um, but DJ's mother, Tracy Ferguson, insisted her son isn't against vac- vaccinations, noting he has had other immunizations in the past. So this is not some crazy uh, anti-vax person. Uh, like a lot of you, I have friends, family members, etc., people I know personally, um, who just because the government was involved in the vaccine and Fauci, who of course is a weasel, was involved in the vaccine and big corporations were all in the vaccine, you know, the vaccine is guilty as charged without... Any real details. Now, I know other people as well as you do who have lots of details, who have valid arguments against the vaccine, who are concerned about it for their own health. So, here's a gentleman who's received other vaccines. This isn't some rabid anti vax person. And now we have decided in this country that he is not allowed to um, get a heart transplant. Because he will not take a vaccine that one was put together, you know, in less than a year, and two has been less than effective. Now, I literally, as I record this podcast, have to question. Think about. I want you to think about this. As I say this, if this podcast, if Podbean, who I use to create the podcast, if the different platforms that this podcast is on—Apple Podcast, it's on some other podcast uh, platforms if it will even be published at this point, because I'm saying this, even though it's a fact, as far as the length of time to develop the vaccine and the fact the vaccine, in my opinion, because I had the vaccine, has it helped, especially with Delta? I think so. Omicron, it's a disaster. So now you're telling a guy he can't get a heart transplant because he will not take a vaccine that everybody in their brother who has it is still catching Omicron. Now, we know statistically Delta is on the way out. There's a minuscule amount of Delta left. Omicron is everywhere, even though it's going down. As I predicted on this podcast, it wasn't my prediction. It was Dr. John Campbell, whose YouTube channel is linked on the big feed because his work has been so incredible. You know, Dr. Campbell, I'll go back to this in a second. I was thinking the other day, you know what he was like? He was like when you fly somewhere... And you know you're flying somewhere and you hit turbulence, how much better you feel if the pilot came on, you know, either when you took off or 10 minutes before you hit the turbulence and let you know you're going we're going to hit some turbulence, hit some seat, you know, put your seatbelt on, blah blah blah. I've been in both situations. A lot of you who fly probably have as well, where that Little broadcast makes such a difference. On the other hand, when they don't say anything and the flight stewardesses are doing their thing and people are out going to the bathroom and laughing and everybody's watching movies, all of a sudden you hit turbulence from hell. You know if it's the you know, the engine, the plane, it's if the plane itself, if there's something wrong, and that little broadcast makes such a big difference. And for me personally and the people I sent his uh linked to, all the way back Thanksgiving time when Omicron was in South Africa, the clarity it led to. It's like Fauci and MSNBC and just the megaphone of hysteria. He made them all look like a bunch of children in a sandbox compared to his objective charts and graphs. He couldn't have been more clear and everything is played out, and when he didn't know, he said he didn't know, but um, it's all coming down, we're in late January, just as he had predicted, not just him, there's other doctors as well, but as I said on a previous podcast, there is nothing loving, there's nothing enlightening, there's nothing good that comes from scaring, excuse my French, the shit out of people, and our leaders during this, especially the Democrats, COVID-ca- you know, the Kovacrats, as I call them, Dr. Frank and Fauci and the Kovacrats got the biggest kick out of, uh, you know, scaring people. What Now, I know some people immediately go the... You scare people, they get throw up their arms, government takes more power. Of course, there is some of that. But some I don't know if it's some of his natural personality, uh, lack of social, emotional intelligence, even though left wing people think they own the entire concept of compassion, empathy, and emotional intelligence. I might be a parted hair, white male, knuckle dragging conservative, but I know there is nothing good about scaring other human beings. I don't believe in that. Unless it's necessary, all right? If, if someone's house is on fire, no one's going to yell louder than I do. I will. But it could not be more clear with Omicron, going back to Dr. Campbell and his videos, what was going to take place. We had data from South Africa originally. Some people questioned it because it's South Africa. Then it came, data came out of the UK and the pattern was like he predicted it. So he did a great job with all of that. And Omicron says spread like wildfire, whether someone has vaccine or not. So... Um, we now have this gentleman who won't get this highly questionable vaccine. I call it a shot at this point, like the flu shot. And again, I don't know if this podcast will be broadcast now because of me saying this. That's the world we live in now, in the media, tech, CCP-dominated world. I don't know if I'll be allowed to... You know, I'm a small guy, so I could be... You know, Joe Rogan said this, and he got taken down all hell would Break Loose because he's Joe Rogan. Me, God only knows. So... That's the type of tech-dominated, CCP-dominated world that we live in now, where I can't say to you, or I have to say apprehensively, not knowing if you'll be able to listen to it, that there's something wrong with a guy in a hospital who needs a heart transplant, who's received previous vaccinations, who's concerned about this current vaccination because of his heart problem. He's denied a heart transplant. I tell you, I don't blame him because the vaccine that he's fighting against isn't very effective against the variant that's out there, which is all 100% true. And I have to worry about whether or not this podcast will be published or not. That's where we are. So, you know, as if the abortion that almost took place here wasn't bad enough, um, there's the second part is the free speech part, obviously. So um, he did end up getting a heart um, pump put in. So that is good for five years. He can't shower. He can't go swimming, etc. Uh, there's another story here. Again, this will be on the big feed. A woman in Colorado suffering late, I'll read it directly. In Colorado last year, a woman suffering from late stage kidney disease said she was denied a heart transplant by her hospital because she was unvaccinated. Lalani Lutali, a born-again Christian, said she opposed immunization because of the role fetal cell lines play in some vaccine's development. So, um, I don't know. There's another case you know, I, with the Ferguson, well, you, I guess this woman, you could take her in the same, put her in the same boat. I was wondering two things. One, what if you took him out of his bed and put a dog in there? And a dog was refused a procedure, forget about the heart part, but a procedure that could easily be done in that specific hospital. The finances are there, the doctors are there. I mean, the financial resources are there to pay for it, doctors, nurses, but... It was refused. Now, don't say, well, it's different because dogs can't get COVID. No, no, I'm just saying in general. If the dog was allowed to die, or there's a possibility a dog was laying in that bed, being allowed to die, and it could be prevented because the dog is surrounded by resources, both people, equipment, etc., what would the reaction be in this country? What movements would be on social media, what go funding pages, what lawsuits, something to think about. The other thing is, what if a peaceful protester who got injured severely, you know, either breaking into a Best Buy or getting shot at by some getting shot by someone this peaceful protester was attacking? Um, what if that person was laying there and refused the vaccine, and you know take a life uh a procedure that was needed that was you know uh life-saving would the hospital put the same rule in effect as far as the peaceful protester needed a vaccine or the procedure would not be allowed if that got out to the public that you have a minority peaceful protester laying there and who it was injured and Would that be different, especially once it hit the general public? And um, eh, something to think about, right? So, so, I mean, that's where we are. Um, This gentleman is, one, was denied the heart transplant for not getting a vaccine. And two, I have to be apprehensive about talking about it. And three, we have to wonder if other people or even an animal were in the same position as opposed to this 31-year-old male, what it would be like. Especially, and I'll, I'll leave it at this, there is no vitriol here. This is not some, he did not, you know, laying there with a MAGA hat on so the world can see um, that he's a Republican, he's a conservative, he's a Trump supporter, he's an anti-vaxxer. Um, you know, there's not, Alex Jones is not standing out in front of the hospital he has atrial fib, genuinely concerned about the side effects from the vaccine, and he nearly died for questioning it. And that's where we are. Okay, I don't know how many of you know this, but Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, when America, one of America's closest allies, has fled the capital. He has fled the capital. Now you might be saying, my God, I thought Russia was going to attack Ukraine. Have they crossed into Alaska and attacking Canada? Wow, is some crazy ISIS cell uh trying to uh you know take over Ottawa and until the Ottawa the Canadian Army, the Mounties, etc. Uh fight them back? Uh does he have to, you know, hide until then, until peace and order is restored? No. No, believe it or not. He is hiding from truckers. The Prime Minister of Canada is hiding from truckers. And I want to make it clear, as of right now, at January 30th, at 3.59 Eastern Standard Time, there's been no looting. There's been no smashing of windows. There's been no stealing of jewelry. There's been no shooting. There's been no fighting that we know of. There's been truckers in their trucks protesting. But Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, a member of NATO, a first world country, approximately 38 million people, uh, one of the countries that helped America defeat the Nazis, has fled the capital, Ottawa, to hide from the truck drivers. So, um... What's going on here is that um, Canada is going to impose a mandate on truckers. Canada's mandate, imposed on January 15th, this is from BusinessInsider.com, it'll be on the big feed, requires truckers to present proof of vaccination or to cross the border. Truckers without a vaccine are required to quarantine and take a COVID 19 test when they return from the U.S. Now, Trudeau says 90% of the truckers are vaccinated. This affects 10%. Now, him being a left-winger who has no appreciation for math and business, etc., economics, reality, you name it, um, he doesn't understand 10% is a big number in the real world, okay? Especially when you're dealing with inflationary times, supply chain problems. 10% is a big number. Um, You know, there's a time... My friends would ridicule me for spending so much time on Facebook, different Facebook groups, religious groups, political groups, etc. My years in the wilderness, I call it. And I I did to some extent, but the learning was just incredible. And what I found on there was a concept that I would never have learned around my own friends, family, circle of influence, because they're too grounded, is that there's this new thing, and some of you are going to be floored by this, stunningly floored, where left-wing people are part of the fact, they call it, they don't math. They don't math. Like, math is beneath them. You, I'm telling you right now, there's some of you out there in your 50s, 60s, who never even went to college, who are floored right now that people who went to college, I'm talking four-year degrees, I'm talking 100000 $150,000 in tuition. One of them was a lawyer. A lawyer. A lawyer. Admit on there in social media groups, he doesn't math, doesn't care about math, doesn't want to know about math. Stunning, irresponsible. If you think about it, it's completely irresponsible. It is just outsourcing adulthood to others. That's exactly what it is, and that's why I say small business people in this country. And I'll get back to you know this uh, uh, Cuck Trudeau in a second here, but that's why small business people are so conservative. And frankly, that what day you catch them, kind of irritated because you become what I call the great absorber of reality. You have customers on one side, you have insurance companies, you have employees, and all of it is based on reality. If something goes wrong, somebody somewhere, if you pay your bills, is going to get tagged with it or get hurt by it. Um, and I, I've had different employees in the past where I thought the best thing for this person is, was to have their own business. And then they tried something on their own. And then I realized when they failed, they didn't pay anybody. So I guess if you don't pay, uh, it, the lesson never gets learned. Kind of like, um, well, whatever. But the, you know what I'm trying to say. So um, people don't math. Think about that. And think about what a regression that, these are people that are proud of that fact. That's what I'm trying to get to you. It's a re, that is a regression of a society There are people with GEDs. There are people who, you know, got out of high school in the 50s and 60s at factory jobs and balanced their checkbook every month and set a budget. And they could have bought a new car, but they bought a used car to save some money. And they could have bought a bigger house, a lesser house. They have a cushion and you know, uh, take their lunch to work, responsible, responsible, thinking, thinking, math, math, poof, you have a whole new crop, four-year degrees, an average, at least here in the People's Republic of New York, $26,000 per year per kid, public education, poof. I don't want to do math. laughable you know (laughs) okay just okay and then that same group they are perfectly fine with the whole group that just wants to make babies and do drugs and have everybody else pay for it because when you don't math that is nearly not your problem because again it's outsourcing adulthood so um back to this article about the truckers uh it's amazing i'm able to go back to original stuff Uh, When I get these side rants But I think The feedback I get Is they're enjoyed So they will continue Um, So Trudeau has no uh, 10% Does it matter to Trudeau Providing a livelihood Does not Because he's an American leftist uh, In his hierarchy of values uh, Felons Criminals Drug dealers Peaceful protesters Poets Artists Are way up the food chain Compared to Someone as simplistic as a trucker. So, Trudeau has fled. Uh, This broke yesterday. Today is Sunday. He has fled the capital for his own safety. Now, um, you know what the first thing that came to my mind when I read this? This is a true story. Winston Churchill, German German bombings over London, beginning of World War II. Winston Churchill during the night when the Germans were bombing, would climb to the top of the British Parliament building as the bombs were falling, just to motivate himself to stare at it. Just like, you know, you're watching your homeland get bombed. You go to bed that night, you wake up, if you even could sleep that night, you are focused. This is real you are you're the opposite of the no math crowd. It's a hundred percent real. If you lose the war, these same people who are bombing you are going to do God only knows once, what when they get to the island. So Churchill would stand there and watch the bombs Churchill had to be talked out of being part of the Normandy invasion by King George because he thought it was. Churchill was way too important. Of course, he was to get killed, but he wanted Churchill wanted to be on the boats during Normandy to uh, keep the morale of the troops up. And at that point, I've heard even King George himself at one point, he had to be talked out of it, and then Churchill had to be talked out of it. One, for the morale of the troops, and two, because at that time, they were just so PO'd at the Germans uh, for everything that they had done. So, he did be talk of it. So, Winston Churchill, who, of course, his bust, the bust, the famous bust of Churchill that was in the White House for decades, that was one of the first things Barack Obama did was get that bust out of the Oval Office. Did you know that? Or out of the White House because of imperialism. Just complete negation of all the historical cor- courageous stuff, which, you know, kind of Obama, Trudeau, you know, uh, different players of the same team. So, uh, Kind of makes sense, I guess. But uh, so Canada's prime minister has fled the capital. Um, most likely cowardice. You never know, you know, Trudeau is such a weasel that this could be by him fleeing the capital, and it's going to backfire on him. Make it look like, uh, you know, the angry working class, Canadian's version of the mega Trump people you know, we can't have our January 6th, so he's fled the Capitol away. By him fleeing, it makes the truckers that look that much more scary to the Canadian public. But I'm not buying it. It is such a pathetic, pathetic display. But um, but it's yet one more thing, whether it's American Afghanistan, um, crime absolutely out of control in this country. Now the Prime Minister of Canada is running away from truckers. Um... If you're the CCP and you're Vladimir Putin, this has got to be something like your greatest dream come true. It reminds me of, uh, you know, uh, Russia attacked Finland. I I don't know what year it was. It was prior to the beginning of World War II. And Russia is so much bigger than Finland. It has so many more people. But it was a disaster. I forgot the numbers, but... uh, It was like 10 to 1 as far as Russian casualties to the Finnish casualties. The Finnish held them off for like six months, which again, I mean, that's like California, you know, attacking Massachusetts, right? So um, that emboldened Hitler and his generals to attack Russia. That was one of the primary reasons Hitler and the Germans attacked Russia so early. I mean, they were going to at some point, but 19... I think it was 1939 was so much earlier than anyone thought, or 1940, and uh, because of that, uh, just completely emboldened by the weakness and incompetence of what they saw in the russian finnish War, and um, how could you not be Putin and uh, the CCP and just see this embarrassing circus in NATO countries, in the Western world, in the first world countries, combine the inflation, combine the crime, and um, it's got to be so inspiring if you're them. And frankly, I, I even though, obviously, I consider them enemies, I consider them adversaries, I consider them dangerous threats to the world, you can't really blame them. Now, before we get into our third and final story, has anyone seen last night uh, Trump had a rally in Texas? And he mentioned how he might, um, uh, what's the word, he might pardon some of the members of the January 6th um, attack on the Capitol or the three-hour insurrection or whatever you want to call it. And I laugh because, um, you know, Trump, when he flies in on his plane, which is his, not AOC's, not Nancy Pelosi's, it's his plane. He has his helicopter. He owns his own stuff. And there's nothing they can do about that. But anyway... um, Will they ever realize, and the reason I say this, they went insane. I can't even imagine what liberal social media is like today after him making those comments. It's CNN and MSNBC at the New York Times. Regardless of what they're putting on their websites, that must have been bedlam. And, you know, there's nothing they can do to him legally, financially, etc., to, that will allow them to get in his head the same way he gets in theirs. It's incredible. Does Trump um, let them get under his skin and blow a fuse sometimes? Of course he does. He's, it's his nature and he's only human. But I think he just gets the biggest kick out of re-emerging in his rallies and saying stuff like that and just letting sitting back and watching all of them, just the, the beehive of hatred and hysteria that takes place after that. So I found that very, very amusing. Um, the third story that I started the podcast with as far as the poll that ended the pandemic... I'm not sure how many of you saw this, but Gallup did a poll. Not Fox News, not Rasmussen, not Tragilfar. Gallup did a poll. U.S. political party differences shifted greatly during 2021. This is by Jeffrey Jones from gallup.com. It will be on the big feed. And it's profound. I got to admit, I never thought I would see numbers like this. Never. Um for the uh such a shift to the republican party and what they did was that and this the first thing i looked at with something like this is independence where did they include independence so they asked independence yes if they lean right or left and it was a seismic shift sorry for the pages rattling here um, However, the general stability quoting here for the full year average obscures a Oh, let me start from the beginning. I'm sorry. On average, Americans' political party preferences in 2021 look similar to prior years, with slightly more US adults identifying as Democrats or leaning Democrat than identified as identified as Republicans or lean Republican. All right. So, however, the general stability for the full year average obscures a dramatic shift over the course of 2021 from a nine percentage point Democratic advantage in the first quarter to a rare five point Republican edge in the fourth, fourth quarter. A little historical context here. You know, um, for those of you who are 30 and under, whatever, uh, the, 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 the Democratic Party going back probably to the 1930s, you had the crash in 29, Roosevelt, the New Deal, was going to rescue, the working man uh, from the Depression. At that point in the 20s, uh, you had, in a minimum, after Wilson, you had uh, Harding, Coolidge, Hoover, all Republican presidents. Market crashed under Hoover. So if that, course, wiped the country out in the Depression, it's the Republicans' fault, it's rich people's fault, Uh, Franklin Roosevelt is going to save them, and that really cemented the Democratic Party as the party of the working man, which of course was more working middle class people than our rich people, which always gave the Democrats an advantage. Up until that, they were considered more the Southern party, um, you know, that had their stuck up for Southern rights, the Southern states who weren't too happy still after what happened to them in the Civil War. And the Republican Party became this party of uh, the rich, more libertarian type party. So, For the most part, there's a lot more details to that, but that's the general rule. Um, So the Democrats have always had an advantage in American politics. And then, of course, you know, you had Lyndon Johnson and the uh, Great Society and the War on Poverty, and that added, of course, created a lot of, um, you know, black people became Democrats, adamant Democrats. Before that, a lot of blacks were actually Republicans because of the Republicans, Lincoln, the Republicans were the uh, liberators of the slaves. so blacks were very Republican. Uh, the black senators during Reconstruction were all Republican. So the the Depression changed all that. More Democrats than uh, there's not more Democrats forever through all the presidents. I mean Nixon was elected twice as a Republican, but he attracted, like Ronald Reagan, a lot of socially conservative Democrats. He trust they trusted him that he wasn't you know the scary rich guy who's going to um, you know, not protect them. And so they socially, socially conservative uh, Democrats, like with Ronald Reagan, went for Richard Nixon. So, and that's always been the case. So this is a major deal. I honestly never thought I'd see it given the way the country has shifted, uh, especially socially. I never thought this would happen. Now, but then again, I thought it through inflation alone. Inflation and crime. Like I always, I tell my friends, they laugh, but it's true. You could take some guy, some, the, like the comic book guy from The Simpsons, complete uh, oddball, cares about comic books, or you could add video games or whatever. His iPhone, Apple products, could care less politics. He's part of that cult. That's his whole life. Blah blah blah. That guy goes to a grocery store, and now a thirty-dollar bag of groceries is a hundred, you know, it is seventy dollars. He starts paying attention to politics. Where I'm going, with take that guy. He might have never voted in an election in his life. If one, he can't walk down the street without being mugged. Or two, a $30 bag of groceries now costs 70 bucks. All of a sudden, that guy cares about politics. Or you could take this nice little Sunday school teacher woman. You know, She goes to church on Sundays, so she's kind of conservative, but she only votes about once every 10 years, and politics isn't her thing, and blah, 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 blah. Again... Her, her kids don't feel safe, or they can, you know, they're making less money now than they were a year ago, which essentially is what inflation is. Now all of a sudden they care about politics. So, are these new Republicans the type of people who are going to go on Amazon and buy books from Milton Friedman, Rush Limbaugh? I don't think so. But, or will they be lifelong Republicans? I don't know. You know, so much of it reminds me of uh, two thousand six. <laughs> it was Anybody remember 2006 Was the absolute doldrums of the George W. Bush presidency Iraq was a disaster The Iraq war The midterm elections Nancy Pelosi, that's the first time she became speaker Remember Cindy Sheehan, she's down in Texas Her son died in Iraq She's protesting at the Bush uh, At the uh, Bush's place down in Texas His home, his ranch Donald Rumsfeld re- resigns as a defense secretary, just a disaster. Next thing you know, we had the housing crash. Couldn't get any worse. And um, Obama, you know, that, and that's how I knew McCain was toast against Obama. It wasn't even going to be close. I was actually volunteering in politics back then. And I'll never forget, when you go door to door, you what you do is you have a list and you go to the people in your own party and independents. You don't waste time. There's only so much time. You don't waste it walking up to a Democrat's house and trying to convert them. No, no one does that. You go to your own party members to try to you know, make sure they're going to vote, build up enthusiasm, sell your candidate. Or you go to independents hoping maybe it's a right wing independent or just a genuine independent that you might be able to persuade. And I remember getting my door slammed in my face by registered Republicans. And then I knew that uh, McCain was toast. I also knew McCain was toast when the other people who were volunteering were either fiscally conservative types who voted for Mitt Romney in the primary or social conservatives who voted for Mike Huckabee. And some of them voted for Rudy Giuliani. And I'm thinking, when your party nominee, uh, if the people volunteering aren't the guy who voted for the party nominee in the primary, you got a serious, serious problem on your hands. So I, I knew it wasn't going to be close and it wasn't. And then McCain, you know, obviously he had a, you know, war hero, POW, etc. We all respect that. But he, at that point, had done so much damage and irritated so many conservatives um, that, you know, he, he, he thought he was just going to jump in there and everybody's going to vote for him just because he was John McCain. And that didn't play out. So this is a seismic shift. How much of it is just people changing jerseys, as I say, and how much is a change in core. Values You know I, I don't know Because philosophy Is a word That I have struggled with My entire life um, Because it has that Connotation of useless <laughs> We all use You know how much We all love to You know Talk about the philosophy major Who's managing McDonald's somewhere um, And uh, or, or Dan Kennedy A business writer I love He, always, he says You can't eat philosophy <laughs> oh, It always cracks me up But so it's a catch-22. I mean, yes, I mean, philosophy only goes so far. You have to leave your head. You have to live in the real world, function in the real world on other people, produce products. And then there's some people who run from that, and they become philosophy professors because they can't handle it. But it is an important as far as a country. Because I look at this poll, and I think, yes, it's a reaction to inflation and crime, but what is the country's general you know, philosophy right now. What is what is you know philosophy? At one point, it was based on logic. You know, people would take logic as part of philosophy. I doubt that's even done anymore. I kid you not. Side story: I took one year of philosophy at college in Bucknell University. I, I this, you, you're not going to believe this, but I had a professor. This was my soft. to take uh, liberal arts our first two years. I had a professor, and he said in the first day in his intro, he said, now, you know, if you see me in the hallways, feel free to walk up and talk to me and say hi. Except, he goes, you might see me some days where I look a little bit out of it, I'm staring straight ahead with my head slightly tilted. He goes, that's when I have a major thought coming through. So if I seem aloof or not talkative, that's the reason why. Now, I I, w- I I was just stunned. You have to remember, I come from a very uh, blue-collar background, construction, truck drivers, etc., uh, agriculture and previous generations. So, um, there's two roads you can go in that situation if you're me. There's either like, wow, I have made it. I have escaped my roots to the next level. I have a professor who's so smart that he walks down the hall with his head crooked and out of it because such profound thoughts uh, go through his head. Or you can go the route uh, that I did and you don't have a complex about the county you grew up in or whatever and you know you're not a dummy and like... In my grandfather's terms, this guy is crazier than a shit house rat. And so I looked at a guy I played football with. We looked at each other because he was in the class with me. And he had his hand over his mouth because he was laughing. He grew up in the San Francisco area. So this poor guy, um, he probably thought going to the middle of Pennsylvania, get, a, get away from the whack jobs out in California in Marin County. And there you have a professor <laughs> talking about how sometimes you see him. He might be out of it because such a profound thought. Is going through his head, honest to God, and uh, I'm sure he's a he. I mean, I can almost guarantee he's a big mandate guy. That I can't guarantee it. Of course, I don't talk to him, and I probably never. I'm sure I never will again. But I, I'm leaning in, in that direction. Um, so, um, so, but as far as the, um, it's one thing to uh, wear a certain jersey, a political jersey, and take pride in your team winning. Um, and that's what it looks like it's going to happen in 2022, big time, the midterm elections. Between the redistricting, uh, which is entirely race-based, you know, if you talk to Democrats, it's the greatest display of racism in the American history, second only to requiring photo IDs to vote. As anybody as amused as I am, as people who are going to protect our democracy from Trump, who are convinced Trump might come back and be, lead us to totalitarianism, who think Trump's followers tried to overthrow the government on January 6th? Those are the great protectorates of our democracy. Those people fighting against all that. Yet for some reason, they don't think a person should be able to show up, should have to show a photo ID to vote. So that's as good as it gets. But as far as the general, so it's one thing you want your team to win. But what concerns me. And there'll be other podcasts about this. Your team could be winning and you can win elections, but the general direction of the country is still extremely concerning. The 100,000 opioid deaths, um, the 100,000 opioid deaths, fentanyl deaths, drug deaths. Last year alone, twice the deaths of the Vietnam year and war in one year, 18 to 45, leading killer in America, opioids, overdoses, fentanyl, etc. Terrifying. Um, For some of us, um, even if you're like me and you've been blessed that no one, I know people I went to school with, high school with, I know people that have worked for me that unfortunately for short periods of time, mainly because they're so dysfunctional because of the drugs, uh, they had to be terminated, but the, um, no one super close to me has died of the overdose, but still bothers me. Uh, I can't take, and like a lot of you, I can't take the Bette Midler, Joy Behar, uh, Keith Olbermann route, where they're all dirty deplorables and they're all dying, so who cares? And frankly, that, a lot of it's not true. It's a lot of uh, minority, a lot of black Young black males are dying of overdoses. You never hear about that because I guess if you report, you know how the truth is now. The truth is evil. So if you report that, you're considered a racist, even though last time I checked, you can't fix an underlying problem until you at least face it. And me, being the scary Republican, a conservative, I guess I'm more concerned about young 18-year-old black males, their whole life in front of them dying of drug overdoses, than people who... um, who won't even face it, the problem. Or if they do face it, they always have this stupid, cockamamie excuse as to why it was okay for them to do it or why they really, really, really got into drugs because of oppression, because of this. Because Well, yeah, you can go oppression. There's just as many white males dying of this too. And uh, there's different causes, but um, you could point to the border. That's not helping. You could point to that's probably... Considered almost chemical and biological warfare at this point from China. I'm not kidding. A lot of it is developed, made in China, comes through Mexico. Because if you're China and you want to rule the world, which they do, see that's what no understands here. They want to rule the world. They don't want to be our buddies, they don't want to be our trading partners. They could still sell us stuff as we're all dropping dead in the streets of opioids and shooting each other and killing each other and having fake elections and setting buildings on fire. They can still sell stuff at Walmart to us while all that bedlam and hell on earth takes place. So they don't want to be our buddies. They want to dominate the world and to make your biggest uh, threat to that a bunch of drug addicts, especially the people at the prime in their life, 18 to 45 year olds, you know, that's kind of important for military age, um, to kill off 100,000 a year is kind of a big deal. That doesn't include people who overdose and live. That doesn't include the financial damage done to the families, the stress on the healthcare system, the cost as far as the insurance companies for rehab, the government programs, the drug paying drug counselors, paying hospitals, paying doctors. Yeah, obviously, human life is more, more the most important. There, but the financial cost is insane, and so if you want to dominate the world, and Europe is kind of a joke, your biggest threat is America. You flood the place with opioids. Frankly, the British did the same thing. The Chinese, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, they made a huge, you know, chunk of them, a uh, group of them, uh, drug addicts. You can do whatever you want once people are hooked on opioids. They're they're practically useless, and. Um, and so that that's what's going on. So it, it, there's a, the knee-jerk reaction. More people were in the Republican Jersey. You can't blame the mandates. Uh, Glenn Youngkin, Virginia, perfect example. You know the untold story about Youngkin is this: is that there was a shift in the Northern Virginia suburb voting, and a part of that, which no one wants to talk about, is that you had. Trump-hating, moderate, middle-of-the-road, independent-type people working from home, professionals, again, four-year degrees, could vote either way. Uh, definitely did not vote for Trump. Uh, maybe supported um, uh, John McCain over Obama it, back in a way, but not 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 big ideologues either way. So they heard what their kids were learning in school for the first time because they could hear the Zoom in the background as they were working home from the pandemic. The dirty little secret is that played a major role in the Virginia uh, uh, governor's election. So you have the, the, the CRT 1619 horse crap. You have inflation, you have crime, you have etc. Is that creating new Republicans, permanent Republicans? I don't think so. But this is a huge deal. It's terrible if you're Democrats. But still, what I'm trying to get with all this is not filling the void. There is a huge void in this country if you look at the anxiety the depression the drug addiction numbers the conflict um you look at the rise of certain people jordan peterson you look at the direction joe rogan is going in with more spiritual and religious type stuff because politics is not going to fill the void here um the only thing it might do is that and that's where i'm going with the philosophical part is that some people a lot of people might yeah they're they're aligning themselves as Republicans, but because you almost need, like I always say, the child, the kid has to touch the stove burn their finger. There might be a realignment going on in their minds as far as what's really important in life and how the world really works. As far as mushy stuff like, well, you know, we shouldn't do bail for criminals. Because you know, not everybody can afford bail, and you know it's not right, and and that's the type of thing you can put a bunch of nineteen-year-olds in a room, especially the one that grew up upper middle class, who aren't grounded in reality, nodding their heads up and down. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's terrible. You know, it's not right. Blah blah blah. Poof, crime is out of control. You have people beat the hell out of their girlfriend out the next day, beating somebody up out the next day. Same guy uh, stealing stuff the next day. Throw that, again, beautiful, touchy-feely, philosophical nonsense out the window. So there's kind of a recalibration with reality is what I'm taking place here. Same with the vaccine mandate. They have heard the crazy right-wing nuts, you know, joke about the Democrats being like communists and central planning and blah, 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 death panels and blah, blah, blah. Poof. If a guy being denied a heart transplant because of the vaccine, people getting fired from their jobs. There is, I can guarantee there is lifelong Democrats out there who were at a job for five, ten years, and all of a sudden that before the Supreme Court turned it down the mandate, you're going to lose your job because of that. So all of this right-wing they have noise they've heard from their crazy uncle at the Thanksgiving table all started to make more sense. So the party affiliation numbers are one thing, but the recalibration with reality, that's a completely different subject. And I do think the situation, I think in some ways um, the children have touched the stove, they have burnt their hand, they saw that we weren't nuts after all. Is that going to fill some of the voids that I think are deeply disturbing in this country? No, but it certainly helps. And once this Gallup poll came out, um, it wasn't just America. All through Europe, Denmark, starting with Denmark, you can find stories online. Now we're all learning to live with it. We are magically learning to live with it. My previous podcast, uh, I spoke, you know, I mentioned uh, uh, Dr who is Ron DeSantis' advisor on COVID, everything that they're talking about now, he said two years ago. And even though he's a black man who born in Nigeria, he still uh, took a lot of criticism for it. But that that's exactly where we're going right now. And a lot of it, I'm telling you right now, it's a lot of this poll that Europeans do not live in a bubble. Uh, they saw this poll came out with American Republicans or just leaning right in America. I don't know if they have similar polls over there or if polls are being created over there. And they all saw it coming. And magically, overnight, the pandemic was over. So well, I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast. It was a lot to cover. Um, just crazy times that we, we live in right now. And... It's good to see some type of shift taking on, taking place in the country. It's just unfortunate that it had to get to this point for people to wake up. Because again, there's a massive difference between being woke and being awake.